Hello and welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. So here we are at the end of chapter Romans chapter 3. There is so much in this chapter. It's taken me three weeks, uh, three sermons to <clears throat> preach through it all. I very tightly packed. There's so much meaning and, and impact in this. <clears throat> and this last section, these last uh, 10 verses um, are, are no exception. This is what we're talking about today is, is God's righteousness re- revealed, not just revealed to us, but also demonstrated. Many say, and I concur, that this passage here, these 10 verses, is the heart of the book of Romans. In fact, even the heart of the entire Bible, because in it is the essence, the crux, the point of, of, of God's effort over thousands of years to rectify a broken relationship between God and humans. And we're going to find out what this was all about. What was he? What did he plan to do? What did he want to accomplish? Bring to mind, bring to mind the largest financial debt you've ever had. Suppose you got a note from somebody uh, saying that that debt has been paid in full. How would you feel about it? What would you say and do? You, you would probably be very excited, right? Be very grateful. Um, you, you probably overjoyed. You'd call all your friends and family out of your excitement and share with them. But that is exactly what God has done for us. He worked out a way for the debt that we had with Him to be paid. Notice in verse 20 that I talked about last week, it said, for no one will be justified in his sight. By the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So we can't be saved by, by just following the law. So then... Verse 21, he starts with, but now. But, contrary uh, statement, if we can't be saved by works, then how can we be saved? The greatest question in the world is, how can a man be right with God? Somewhere in the world today, a man is offering a child upon the altar, hoping to appease his angry God. Somewhere in the world, a man is cutting himself with a knife, hoping by his pain to win approval of his deity. Somewhere in the world, a man lies on a bed of nails, proving by his mastery of his pain, or uh, hoping to prove by his mastery of pain, to prove his worthiness of eternal life. 
So the, how can we be saved? That all-important question, no answer is more satisfying than this answer here given in this, given this passage. It is the essence of the gospel and the heart of the Christian message. In verse 21, Paul says, but now, apart from the law, we can't be saved. So separate from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So God's righteousness has been revealed to us. His, this plan for providing us His righteousness has been revealed to us or attested by the law and the prophets. How is that so? In, in the law, when we talk about the law, we talk about... Uh, different commands and requirements in the Old Testament. Remember, some people get confused. There's actually three types of laws in the Old Testament. There are the moral laws. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And so on and so forth. There are civil laws. For instance, they had a law uh, that if, if, if a man accidentally killed somebody else, he could run to a city of refuge and be protected from the family members of the victim while they sorted, while they did an investigation, uh, tried to do an impartial investigation to figure out what happened and, and make sure this was truly an accident. <clears throat> there was also ceremonial law that all pointed to this coming Messiah. This, this way of God imparting his righteousness to us. Uh, and we see it in the sacrifices. When they, when, in order to be forgiven of sin, they had to provide an animal sacrifice, a shedding of blood. A, and the Bible says a life is in the blood. A life had to be taken. Had to pay the price. That was pointing to the coming Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world, that would give himself as a sacrifice. Uh, there, there, uh, various fasts and, and celebrations that the Israelite people had, they all pointed to this. This is the Passover, that time when the angel of death passed through Egypt and killed all the firstborn, except for the Israelites who followed God, by how? By giving a, an animal sacrifice, a lamb, and that the blood of that lamb was, was painted on, on, on the, the top of the door I, I, to signify that they had sur uh, surrendered to that, and, and they... they <clears throat> Submitted that sacrifice, and, and, and they ate the lamb too, internalized it, very similar to what we do with communion. We remember Christ's sacrifice, and we internalize that reality and make it part of who we are. The Passover was, was pointing to a day when God would impart His righteousness to us. Another, just even the buildings themselves and, and how they interacted with the tabernacle, the place where they worshipped uh, years ago. They had 
uh, here in Portales, they had the Tabernacle Experience. Did you guys get to go to that? The Tabernacle Experience? It was really neat. Uh, one of the churches in Portales hosted it. There's this organization that goes around the nation. They have a replica, exact, or not, obviously not exact, but as close as we can get it, a replica of the Tabernacle that the Israelites took with them as they wandered through the desert. And, and I went through it twice. I enjoyed it so much the first time. I was like, I got to go back before they leave. So I went through a second time. And they gave you little headphones and, and he took a little audio tour uh, of the different parts. The, 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 the brazen uh, bowl that was there with the water for, for the washing and, and the altar with the fire and the burning of sacrifices. And you went into another room and there was incense burning and, and it talked about the different symbolism with that. And you had the lamp uh, burning too. Uh, and then you went into the Holy of Holies, the very center of the tabernacle, where the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant was, was called the Mercy Seat. And that's where God resided. And, and uh, it was a very sacred and holy place, so much so that that not just anybody could go in there. Only the high priest could do so and only once a year and only following very strict guidance to, to portray that there's no uncleanness going before God because no uncleanness can go before God. And they, the, 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 uh, the high priest had bells on his, his clothes that jangled as he walked. So... And they also had a rope tied around him and led out. That way, if the priest didn't do what he was supposed to do and, and dared go into the Holy of Holies uh, with, uh, in an unclean manner, God would strike him dead and they could pull him out. That's right. Without having to go in there, they could pull him out, pull his body out. But when Jesus died, that giant curtain that separated everybody from the Holy of Holies, the big, thick, heavy curtain, ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying that everybody has access to God now. There was no, there's no barrier now. The price had been paid. So not just the law attesting to God's righteousness as as. Uh, Paul said, also, all through the prophets, there were prophecies of this coming Messiah, this Savior that would come. The prophet said that, and this is hundreds of years before Jesus, that he'd be born of a woman in Bethlehem, of a virgin woman, who would come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, would be part of the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah, would be heir to David's throne, would be anointed and eternal, would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He would spend a season in Egypt, and a massacre of children would happen at, the, at his birthplace. A messenger would prepare away for the Lord. He would be rejected by his own people. He'd be a prophet. He'd be preceded by Elijah, declared the Son of God, called a Nazarene. He'd bring light to Galilee. He would speak in parables. He'd be sent to heal the brokenhearted. He'd be called king. 
He'd be praised by little children. He would be betrayed. He'd be falsely accused. He'd be sound before his accusers. He'd be spat on and struck. He'd be hated without cause. He'd be crucified with criminals. They'd give him vinegar to drink. His hands and feet would be pierced. He'd be mocked and ridiculed. Soldiers would gamble for his garments. His bones would not be broken. He would be forsaken by God. He would pray for his enemies. Soldiers would pierce his side. He'd be buried with the rich. He'd raise from the dead. He'd ascend to heaven. He'd be seated at God's right hand. And he'd be a sacrifice for sin. All that the prophets attested to and witnessed to, to this plan God had for imparting righteousness to us. This wonderful, amazing. Most people did not get it. A very few did over thousands of years. Very few figured it out. Most people, when they, when they heard about prophecies of the Messiah, they thought of a military leader. They didn't had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 22, that is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all believe since there is no distinction. To all believe, there's no distinction. Some people like to, to uh, make themselves distinct. Uh, well, I, I may do some bad things, but I'm not as bad as others. That may be true. You may not have done as bad things as maybe a child rapist or, or uh, somebody who's murdered people in cold blood. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. But there's one thing we're all the same in. If, if whether, whether you're on top of the highest mountain or in, in the bottom of the lowest mine, neither one of you can reach the stars. We're all completely helpless at saving ourselves. Completely help us in making ourselves right with God. We need somebody to help us. Like the song I sang as a child, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. There's no distinction. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen sh and fall short of the glory of God. Powerful verse there. We've all sinned. We take sin so lightly, but it's so destructive. Someone once wrote, sin will take you farther than ever you, than you ever thought you'd stray. Sin will leave you so lost you'd think you'd never find your way. Sin will keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay. Sin will cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. It's absolutely true. Sin is not just doing what's wrong, but the failure to do what one knows to be right. James talked about this in James 4.17. A preacher asked a gentleman, are you saved, sir? No, I really can't say I am, but I'd like to be. Why would you? Do you realize that you're a lost sinner? Oh, of course, we're all sinners. 
Ah, but that often means little or nothing. Are you a sinner yourself? Well, I suppose I am, but I'm not what you call a bad sinner. I mean, I, I think I'm a rather good one. I always try to do the best I know. Then, my friend, I fear there's little use seeking to show you the way to salvation. Good sinners together with honest liars, upright thieves, virtuous scoundrels, are far from being ready to submit to the grace of God, which is only for poor, vile, hell-deserving sinners who have no merits to build on, no goodness to plead, but who are ready to be saved alone by the work of another. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. The preacher continued talking to him, trying to get him to see that reality, but... The gentleman was far from being ready to be saved. And as parting words, he finally declared that he'll take his chances as he was. It's so easy, so easy to divert one little thing away from God. In Clovis here, we have a switchyard, right? Lots of trains coming and going, switching back and forth different places. A switch, a train, a, a track switch just begins with the thinnest piece of metal diverting the train from the track. Doesn't take much, and before you know it, you're far from your original destination. That's what it's like with someone who 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 turns away from God and, and goes back into sin. Just a small deviation from God's standards can play at places far from that field. But we've all fallen short. The glory of God, as the Bible says. Verse 24, they are justified freely. Though they've fallen short, he just said they've fallen short. They, they, they don't make it. We can't, we, you know, we all started out separated from God. They're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This is a significant verse. The first key word that I want to point out to you is justified. Justified is a legal term. It, it means found innocent. It's different from pardon. Pardon is, yeah, you did it, you're guilty, but you're not going to be, you're going to be excused from the punishment, the sentence, be pardoned. It's not pardon. Justified is found innocent. Not just justified, but justified freely. By God's grace, God is the source of glory. The, that, the glory belongs to God, not anything that we did. And it says, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. The redemption is another key word I want to point out to you. It's a commercial term. To, to redeem, to obtain, either obtain for, to, to, to bring into ownership 
or bring back into ownership to redeem. It reminds me of the book of Amos. If you haven't read Amos, the one of the minor prophets, you should. It's a powerful, wonderful story of a prophet that was trying to serve the Lord. And God told him to marry a prostitute. And he did. And after a while, she left him and went back to her old life. And the Bible doesn't say it, but I think I, think I could safely guess that she was tired of her humdrum, simple life and thought to herself, man, if I go back to my old life, I can make lots of money. I can wear nice clothes again and I can eat fancy foods and, and just live it up and have a wonderful time. And so she left him, went back to the old life of prostitution. And Amos just didn't leave her there. He, he went after her, went to find her. And things had not gone well for her, as it often does with sin. Sin will make you think in your mind how wonderful and glorious it is, but when you actually involve it, things don't usually go, don't, don't ever go as well in your head as they do in reality. And she found herself at a slave market. And Amos, did he, did he stand there and just mock her and, and watch her being sold off to some scoundrel who would just beat her and misuse her? No. He brought his own money and he bought her back. He redeemed her. That's exactly what God has done for us. He bought us. We belong to the devil. We were his. We belonged to sin. We were chained to it. Jesus freed us and made us his. He redeemed us. Redeemed us with his own blood. Verse 25 God presented him as a propitiation through faith in his blood. That word propitiation, I, mo I know it's not a, a very common word, but most translations use it because it's so perfect for this. We have no other word that works as well as propitiation. Propitiation is the means of reconciliation. And, and he reconciled us with God. When we sinned against God, we violated his justice, and a price had to be paid, and the only way to pay it is with our lives. And Jesus took our place and satisfied God's perfect justice. The last time anybody took your place for any kind of punishment. And it, that, that notice that that propitiation is through faith, Paul said. Now this, uh, this is significant because this is the first time that there's a connection between righteousness received and faith. 
First time in the Bible. Believing and receive God's righteousness. Believing in Christ's sacrifice, not just anything, but in Christ's sacrifice. Well, let's be careful while we do play a part in this. No glory goes to us. If you had a rich uncle, or let's say you just found out an uncle you knew it passed and turned out he was rich and he left you a million dollars. And all you gotta do is travel uh, to another state and, and sign for it and then get your check for a million dollars. Now we never heard before that our uncle didn't know he was rich. You made two choices. You could say, whatever. That's a con somehow. And, and, and just dismiss it. Or you could say, yeah, I'm on my way. And find the earliest flight or drive straight there all night, whatever it took, to make sure you were there so you didn't miss out on it. Now, receive that money, that's a great thing. But uh, now I, I go and, and sign the check, and, and I, I get a million dollars, and and I make sure taxes. You know, Uncle Sam's happy with his cut, right? Uh, and and I get my money, uh, and everybody's congr- suddenly I have a lot of friends, right? Um, everybody's congratulating me. Uh, I didn't do anything. All I did was believe that that person other than that phone was telling me the truth. That's the same thing with us. We're being presented with this amazing gift. And if we have any sense at all, any self-awareness at all, we're going to do everything we can to obtain it right. Like Jesus talked about the pearl of great price. The guy finds his pearl... He goes and sells everything he has to obtain it and make sure no one else gets it. Because he understands its value. Once we understand the value, boy, it's easy to believe. But we do it to believe. If we don't believe, there's no, there's no receiving of that gift. We can't, we can't do it. I work as a as a um, an advocate for military military people who are going through uh, medical conditions. Years ago, when I was still kind of figuring things out, um, there had been nobody here before me for years, so I had to kind of figure things out on my own. And I got a call from a first sergeant said, "Hey, I got a guy in Amarillo in the hospital. I and his mom's with him." And so I said. I'm on my way. I go bedside, provide support to the family, encourage the member, get him signed up for the program. So I get there, I introduce myself, and I tell them I'm here to help. So the first sergeant called me, let me know what was going on. And he thought I was some con artist. 
trying to steal personal information from him because he had never heard of our program. <clears throat> and he, so he didn't want anything. He didn't want to sign up. He was like, well, can I decide later? I said, yeah, sure. But he thought I was trying to scam him. And he did not believe and could not receive the gift that I was, the gift of support that I was trying to give him. Now, a few days later, I was in my office and I walked out into the hall and there he was. And I said, hey, you're at the hospital. Great. He was like, yeah. And he realized that I wasn't trying to call him. He never did sign up with me. I think he was probably too embarrassed. So redemption in Christ presented propitiation through faith in his blood, demonstration to demonstrate his righteousness. He's going to demonstrate that God is righteous. He does have standards. Why? Because I said he's going to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint God passed over the sins previously committed. To demonstrate that there is a standard and we failed that standard. That had to be told. That, that had to be demonstrated that, that the soul that sins, it shall die. That's what God's Word says. But because God restrained Himself, A lot of people think that God doesn't care or there is no God because they do what they want to do and, and nothing's happened. Haven't been struck by lightning. Sinners have no idea what danger they're in. And I got to get going. I'm running out of time. Verse 26, God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you get that? God wants to declare. So those of us who believe in Jesus, God wants to declare us righteous. Praise the Lord. Where then is boasting? Verse 27. What do we have to brag about? It is excluded. Can't, can't brag. We have nothing to brag about. And he said, by what, what kind of law? What kind of law do we... Can you, and, and the word here, law, is the lowercase. It's not the law. It's, 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 as in principle. By what principle can we boast? By one of works, Paul says? No. On the contrary, by the law or principle of faith. 
Verse 28, for we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now Paul here in 29, you know, continued that there's, there's still this attitude that for a certain part of a certain group that God's going to favor us. So verse 29, or is God for Jews only? Is he not also for Gentiles? Yes, for Gentiles too. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Now, don't let those by faith and through faith, don't let those throw you off. Those two words in the Greek are synonymous. I think Paul was trying to add emphasis to this, such as God will justify the circumcised by faith. And the uncircumcised by faith. It's all the same to God. Verse 31. Do we then cancel the law through faith? Absolutely not. On contrary, we uphold the law. We uphold it. We keep it. We complete it. What does he mean by that? You see, the true purpose of the law is revealed here. The real purpose of the law. And, and Paul, in another book, Galatians, chapter 13, verse, or not 13, 3, chapter 3, verse 24, the law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. The guardian here um, our tutor our teacher. The purpose of the law was to point people to the cross, point people to Christ. It is doing that now. We read the Bible and go, wow, we're sinners. We've, we've, we've violated the law. We've broken it. We're pointing to Christ so we could be saved because we're not saved by doing this wonderful reality that you realize if your heart is right with God, and I hope it is, if you're following the Lord and, and sincerely obeying Him, if you confess your sins to God and believed in Jesus and made Him put Him in charge of your life, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and one day you are going to stand before God and you are going to be found innocent. All the bad things, horrible things you did in your life you're going to be found innocent. Whew. Clean slate. Do you remember what that felt like when you were first saved and you realized your sins are forgiven? That, that, that cleanness of heart you felt. The pressure, the weight came off your shoulders. You know, I've tried, I spent my life just trying to keep that feeling, just trying to remember it so I don't forget. 
I don't want to take for granted what God has done for me. He saved me and made me a new man. I remember talking to Rob this week. And he was like, did you ever drink, Pastor Darrell? I said, yeah, I did. I did a lot of bad stuff. But God, God, God took that out of me. All I did was surrender myself to him and said, God, you're in charge of my life now. And God helped. It wasn't easy. I failed God. But I asked for forgiveness and press on. And just keep going. Keep trying to live for the Lord. Keep doing what's right. But it starts with a clean slate. Your relationship with Christ starts with a clean slate. No more nights laying in bed thinking about the bad things you did. No more times wondering if, if you might, you know, whether or not you're going to make it, whether or not you're going to die, because you don't know if you're ready to meet God. There's a, a, a famous atheist, not long ago, I mean, maybe last year, he, he was asked, do you believe there's a God? And he said, no, I don't, but I'm terrified there might be. I hope he gets saved. This, this terror, I wouldn't want to deal with that. Praise the Lord, this wonderful truth. And next week we're going to, Abraham is our example of, of saved by faith. And we're going to hear about his story. And I'm looking forward to that, chapter 4 next week. Let's stand. Well, that's all for today. We certainly hope it was a blessing to you. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go to servantsheartchapel.org. Have a wonderful day.